Hey, and welcome to the midweek where we go deeper into challenging topics that came out of the text from this last week. So Daniel, Pastor Daniel and Ross are here with me in our makeshift studio, and uh, we're going deeper into Luke chapter 4. And specifically, we're all talking all about the Holy Spirit. Um, Specifically, what kind of power and lifestyle and authority should the average Christian expect if the same power, the same spirit that was empowering Jesus is in us? What does that mean? What are the implications of that when it comes to miracles and all the faith that Jesus showed in his life? And so um, Daniel is going to launch us off in this challenging and also very controversial topic. Well, I'm excited about it. This is one of my favorite topics as of late, just mm. considering um, what is our relationship to the Holy Spirit? Uh, how, how does it how does it relate to Jesus's relationship with the Holy Spirit. Hi, what is the diff- what are the differences? What are the similarities? There's, uh, there's a lot here. So first off in the sermon, uh, I, I titled it Jesus's power for mission. I'm focusing on, uh, not Jesus's power over sin that, that came in the beginning of chapter four. Mm. Um, and we talk, I think more often, uh, which is, is good. We talk about our power over sin, that the spirit is our power over sin, that, that if we walk by the spirit, we will not gratify the desires of the flesh. But I think we talk less often uh, about our power uh, for mission that uh, is the same power as Jesus's uh, power for mission. So in Luke chapter four, we see Jesus he, he says that the spirit of the Lord is upon him uh, because he has anointed him to proclaim good news to the poor. And he goes into this kind of explanation of his mission. Uh, and we saw in the, in the sermon that um, Jesus, everything that he did was empowered by the Holy Spirit. Um, and this is, it's kind of confusing because Jesus is divine. He has is all power. And yet in his humanity, he's submitting to the father's will. He's not uh, just simply kind of floating through life as this divine figure who doesn't experience suffering and pain, but no, he, he's experiencing as a human, the things that we experience, the weaknesses we experience. And so he's not living in that, uh, omnipotent, omnipresent, you know, all these divine attributes that he possessed, but he didn't live in them. He, he uh, laid them aside, as it were. He, he chose not to walk in them. Mm-hmm. So he's still divine entirely, but he was walking every day, every moment in the power of the spirit, depending on the, on the power of spirit as both our representative mm-hmm. on earth as the true and better Adam uh, and as an example to us uh, for what, what we are to be as the, as the church. So, and I think this is difficult to see because if we go back to the history of the early church, one of the earliest heresies was that Jesus is not God. He's only a man. That's right. And so some of the most foundational theologians in the church emphasized again and again and again, Jesus is God. Yeah. And throughout the ages, we received this understanding of Christ as divine mm-hmm. yeah. and a very, very, very developed understanding of what it means for Christ to be divine, but a less developed understanding of what it means for him to be fully human. Mm-hmm. Right. And Jesus living in the power of the Holy spirit is actually an aspect of his humanity yes. that he would live not out of the power of his divinity, 
mm. but out of the power of the Holy Spirit, which we're going to get to this, is also available to us. Yeah. Which is significant because it is something we can, you said the word example, yeah. we can follow. Yeah. Right? You can't follow a demigod in the sense that, oh, they did all this stuff because they're God. Yes. Right? But you can follow Jesus in what he did and how he lived because the same power that he drew from is available for us. And so it's very hopeful for us. And I guess, I think all of us, when we start to really see that in scriptures and learn that it was, it, it was a paradigm shift for us because we always would just think, Oh, well, Jesus did that because he's Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so therefore it just created such distance and disconnection yeah. where it's like, Oh, I can't relate with that. Jesus, everything that I see that he does, that doesn't, is not relevant for me outside of being encouraged by who he what, you know, is and like, wow, that's great. That's Jesus. Yeah, that's right. But that again, it's always like, but that's Jesus, not us. Yeah. So then, and can I just read one yeah. quote that's been helpful for me? Yeah, please. From Jared Hawthorne's book, The Presence and the Power. Jesus is the supreme example of what is possible in a human life because of his own total dependence upon the Spirit of God. Jesus is living proof of how those who are his followers may exceed the limitation of their humanness. Wow. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, that's so good. Now, there's a lot of questions that, that should come yeah, that's right. <laughs> as you heard my sermon, as you, as you hear those words that we are, we exceed our own limitations in the power of the spirit. Like to what degree, like do we have power to, to heal in the same way? Do we have power to, uh, to raise the dead in the same way? These are the questions that, that the church is wrestling with today. There's all kinds of debate over, you know, what authority does the church possess right now in the Holy spirit? And, uh, so I just I want to say I want to say briefly uh, bef- before we go there, I encouraged us to ask in the sermon. I encouraged us to ask God for more of His Spirit, um, and I, I just want to make sure that I clarify exactly what I mean there. I, I spoke simultaneously a lot about surrendering to Jesus, so asking God for more of His Spirit and surrender they go hand in hand. Um, I have a really good quote from, from Daniel Henderson that, that uh, a brother, uh, Michael Patterson, one of the newest members of our church, already serving us well, uh, he, uh, he brought up this from Daniel Henderson's book, Transforming Presence. Quote, the Holy Spirit is indwelling us already. It is not that some part of the Spirit comes into us and then another part and then another part until we are filled up. This is not the idea. He is already indwelling us. To be filled means to be taken over right. completely by his control and power and means the exclusion of anything that is preventing that power from operating in our lives. To be filled with the Spirit means to exclude everything that hinders the Spirit's power. That's excellent. So I just hear, hear this out. I, I said you have all the Holy Spirit that you can get right now because the Spirit is... One, (laughs) and he is fully divine. And if he dwells in you, that means that God dwells in you and you can't have like the rest of him at some point. Mm -hmm. You know, when we talk about quenching the spirit, it's not like a little bit of God gets diminished, uh, like, like he, he goes away and then the fullness of God comes back at some point. No, what we're talking about when, when we see the disciples in acts being filled with the spirit after Pentecost, we believe that that means that in greater uh, that God's presence is being manifest in their life in a greater way. Mm-hmm. How they're saying Jesus have all of me, 
Mm-hmm. Use us for bold witness. Use us for uh, use us to win the nations. Mm-hmm. They want to be the witnesses that Christ promised that they would be by the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And so, when they say, "Use us in this way," let us—we're willing to suffer for your sake. God's presence is manifested; His power is manifested mm-hmm. in their life in a unique, unique way, so that it leads to greater power. Sam's got a point. You know, I. We mentioned this a few times ago, but I, I'm sure a lot of you didn't hear. But when we taught on Ephesians chapter 5, this idea of being filled, and we talked on the midweek the other day about this also, is this idea of, of filling is not content, right? We're not talking about more of a, of a, like a subject, a, a thing. I had 5% more of the Holy Spirit yesterday than I did today. It's, it's more of this idea of being filled because what he compares in Ephesians five eighteen to wine and being drunk. And so it seems like being filled with the Spirit, the way I think about it, is you have more of the influence of the Holy Spirit in your life. Yes. And that's why being filled with the Holy Spirit is so tied towards holiness and confession of sin. Because when you are walking in unrepentant sin, you are being under the influence of your flesh, under Satan of the world. And to have more of the influence of the spirit, you need to have less of the of the world, of less of the flesh. Mm. And so the um, more the spirit has influence over you, the more you can say the word filled. He's mm-hmm. filled you more. Like imagine your, 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 your heart having different regions of it that are off limits to God. And the more you're letting him fill you, the more those regions are becoming from darkness to light because he's now shining there where you're letting go. And increasingly mm-hmm. in our life, there's more regions that he's showing us that he hasn't shined on mm-hmm. and we're giving it to him. Mm-hmm. Right. Does that, does that help? Oh, that's excellent. Yeah. I love it. Now, um, if, if we have, more of the spirit, uh, more of the spirit in the sense that we've given ourselves more to him. <laughs> like, and he's, yeah. he's manifesting his influences is over our lives in a particular moment. What, what, what does that look like? Well, holiness, you look at Jesus's life, holiness, um, also powerful witness, powerful mission. Now, I said in the sermon, I think that some of us live in ignorance to the reality that God wants to give us power for mission. Yeah. We live in ignorance to it. Um, and, and we're simply trying to, we're trying to say, if you want to see God use you, like you see him using the disciples in, in the scriptures, simply ask, Lord, I want more. I want to be used. I want to see the gifts of the spirit manifest in my life. I want you to make me ready for that. So, We'll, we'll lay that aside. There's there's so much more we could say. But I want to ask this question. When Jesus says, whoever believes in me will, will also do the works that I do and greater works than these will he do because I'm going to the Father. He says, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. What what exactly what exactly does he mean by that? And and to to what degree do we have that? That, that power and authority. Um, I've heard this be, uh, you know, explained by looking to Peter on the day of Pentecost and the amount of souls that, that he won, it would seem far exceeded Jesus's ministry, you know, mm-hmm. that, that he, you know, there were only 120 believers gathered on the day of Pentecost mm-hmm. that the spirit fell on. 
you know, I don't know if that means that there literally were only 120 disciples of Jesus at that point. I, I, I think there probably were more. Were more. Would, you, would you guys say maybe some more? Maybe. Maybe. I actually don't know. <laughs> yeah. I never thought of that I would either. Yeah. But, um, but that, that day, on the day of Pentecost, when Peter preached and 3,000 came to faith and the church was being, you know, the number was being added to daily, that was beyond Jesus's, that was beyond the works that Jesus did. Yeah. So um, you're taking it more regarding, instead of degree, greatness in degree, you're doing greatness in extent extent or scope. Yep. Yeah. So that, that's, that's one argument. Yeah. There's, um, there's a big debate on this. Yeah. So how, how would you, what is the other side? I don't know. I mean, well, I know the other side. I spent like four hours when we were, we were in our Bible reading in John, we just finished John to Acts now. And when we're in John 14 and 12, I spent a whole like three, four hours on a Saturday morning, just looking at this passage, trying to understand what works. Is he speaking? Is he speaking this miracle specifically? And I could not fully land to be yeah. honest. I saw good arguments on both sides yeah. and greater in degree um, and a lot of people push back that cause experientially it feels like there's no way it could be degree, mm-hmm. like raising Lazarus from the dead. I mean, there's very few historical examples of Christians raising the dead that does happen, but that doesn't happen prevalently. And the way he speaks in this passage, he makes it sound like that's just a normal reality for everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's, there's challenges on both sides. Yeah, I, I, I definitely favor extent. Because to say that each individual believer could live as exceptionally as Jesus and beyond that, mm-hmm. I don't think that that reconciles completely with Paul's description of the church when he says to each is given a manifestation of the spirit for the common good. Yeah. It's good. And he says, do all speak in tongues? Do all have this gift? Do all have that gift? Gift healing. So he seems yeah. to imply that an individual believer won't necessarily have the complete package, whereas Jesus seemed to have the complete package. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's helpful. But Paul still says you have a manifestation of the spirit for the common good. Yeah. So the kind of life that Jesus lived. Yeah. Especially when you live in the community of the church is going to be the kind of life that you live. Yeah. And in the context of the church, you're going to be a part of a movement that influences and reaches way more people than Jesus ever reached on his own and way more kinds of people. Amen. Mm -hmm. That's right. That's really good. The, the tricky thing is if you do a word study in John on the word works, mm-hmm. it feels like it's more connected to miracles. Um, but some people say works here is more connected to resurrection life, spiritual life. And that's kind of where you're going. And there's a good argument for that. Yeah. I wish I was more helpful. I thought after four hours on this, I would be more <laughs> helpful. But I'm, I'm not. Well, let me read another Hawthorne quote. Okay, there you go. Hawthorne for the win. <laughs> yes, he says, our lives can be like his life. In kind, though not in degree, mm-hmm. and specifies that the Spirit met no natural resistance in Jesus, as in those of us whose lives have been hardened and scarred by sin. Woo, that's really good. So we have 100% access to the same Spirit yeah. as Jesus did, the same power source. Yeah. Our ability to access and use that power source is not going to be as high as Jesus's mm. because he approaches spirit with complete faith where we have the hardness of sin. Here's the tricky thing though. What you're saying makes so much sense. Like, so that would say the degree of our, in one sense, sanctification and surrender mm-hmm. would, would mean greater access to the spirit's power. Yes. Greater influence, greater following. And yet throughout church history, we see idiots 
fools that God gives crazy supernatural gifts by the spirit who are immature and yet they're walking in great miracles. Yeah. And so we often, one of the big, big weaknesses of especially my Pentecostal roots that I come from is that whenever someone showed great gifting and um, the word term would be anointing, we would assume that there is an equal measure of intimacy with God and also character. Mm-hmm. And that often would not be the case. And so we would elevate people quickly because they had they were walking in healings and, and evangelism and all that power. And we assume that there was also equal part character. Yeah. And yet you quoted First Corinthians 12 through 14. And it seems that it's those aren't always tied together. Yeah. And right. uh, Jesus is warning to the disciples is that not everyone who says, Lord, Lord. Yeah. Him, even those that That's have done right. miracles, cast out the That's right. uh, demons will will be. Uh, we'll enter the kingdom of heaven. I'll say, I never knew you. So, that's, right. um, that's, that's a scary warning. So we're, we're not saying that, um, signs and wonders are the mark of, 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 uh, maturity. maturity. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, what we would like to say is, what are we if, saying? <laughs> if you want, well, I think there's okay, let's situational that. exceptions yeah. to this rule. Yeah. Like there are just people like God lays his hand on and we don't get it. Yeah. But I think for the average experience of the normal believer, okay. That the more that you surrender to Christ and turn from your sin and seek the spirit, the more his influence and effects will become manifest. That's in your exactly life. what I want to say. <laughs> that's that's exactly what I want to say. That was the whole that's point. Right. That's the whole point of point of the sermon. Yeah. Um, you know, I focused, I, the reason why we're doing this podcast is I focused a lot more on uh, the reality that Jesus's mission was one of forgiveness of sins. He was coming, bringing, offering a message. He was proclaiming over and over again, the, the main action of Jesus is to proclaim the good news. He's proclaiming uh, freedom. But what does he do as a sign of the true reality of the kingdom coming? He healed. He raised the dead. He was showing the kingdom that he brought where all things would be made new. Mm-hmm. And that, that he would, uh, yeah, he would, he would bring about Eden-like uh, yeah, reality. Sure. That's, what we're, that's what we're hoping in. So then... The, so I didn't focus a ton on uh, Christ, a Christian's power for healing, but we're trying to focus on that now. And and I think that what you just said, Ross, is exactly right. The more to the degree that we surrender to Jesus and invite his spirit to have influence in our life, we we can and should expect God to use us in the same ways that we saw God use Jesus for, for miraculous things, mm-hmm. for miraculous things. Right. And, you know, there's a big discussion about whether certain gifts are for today or not. Um, I, I, we, we as, as a church do not believe that there's sufficient evidence to say that certain gifts have ceased yeah. uh, other than the capital A apostleship uh, of the, the 12 had uh, in, in Paul. Um, so we, we do believe that the gifts continue, that 1 Corinthians 12 is, is, a, uh, is an example to us. It says gifts of healings and gifts of, of miracles, an example of us, of some of the gifts that can and should be operating in the church today. Yep. I, I, I just, the only point that came to my mind is, is the way you just even frame that you're like, you know, uh, the way we believe it. The reality is, there's a very small percentage of Christians in the world that have this, this is the term is called a cessationist position. Mm-hmm. They have a loud voice because a lot of them are academics, especially in the West, but 
numerically among the global church, they're a very, very small tribe. I mean, the majority of the Christian world is in the global south, is in the majority world. Mm-hmm. And almost there's almost no cessationists there. So I, I do want to be careful is historically there are examples of cessationism and people who hold that kind of position. But that actually is not the majority position mm-hmm. in church history. And I just want to be careful that we don't speak of it as like it's a, you know, yeah. we're, we're holding a fringe position. Right. Right. Uh yeah. Yeah. So, so now what does that mean? I think we have to get into the, to kind of some of the implications for today. There are, there are churches that, you know, they're they're when they talk about evangelism, they, they encourage you to go out and first, you know, lay hands on the sick or pray for, pray for the sick and, and speak healing into that person. Uh, that, that's some of the language that you hear. Yeah. There's, there's uh they command it. Yeah, there's, rather than there's, ask the father. Yeah, yeah, and then it goes. You know, you keep taking that, and it moves all the way to the extreme of of a very uh, name it and claim it mm-hmm. uh, sort of theology, where you you God has come, His kingdom has come in such a way that if we have faith, Jesus said, "If you ask for anything in my name, it will be done for you." If you have faith that it could be done for you, even to the uh, degree of giving you prosperity healing for everything. I mean, there are groups right now that say it is always God's will to heal, heal you. When Jesus died on the cross, he secured for you mm-hmm. the healing. So then have faith and you can have that healing in this life. And there's a theological term for this sort of, uh, this sort of um, belief. And that would be called over-realized eschatology. Mm-hmm. Over-realized eschatology. Uh, what, what that means is there's a belief that because Jesus has come, his kingdom coming on earth and now given to Christians, given to the church, that we should expect everything that the kingdom offers, all of Eden to be received by faith in this life if, yeah, if we have faith. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That we can experience health, wealth, prosperity, and that is a movement towards a health and uh, a, prosperity gospel and eschatology just means the last things yeah thanks for clarifying and to say it's over realized is to say that the last things have happened sooner than the bible says are going to happen that's mm-hmm. right yep so to be clear i think we do all of us even our brothers and sisters who have over realized eschatology agree that jesus purchased healing for us yes the question is when yes yep there, there is no debate from almost any group that there will be Eden-like reality in the new heavens and new earth. Better than Eden, actually, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so the big debate that there's a variety of kind of understandings for, for many faithful Christians is how much of Eden can we experience now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a way to phrase it. Mm-hmm. And that's where there's this huge divide where some will say, hey, you guys are not living in all the reality that Jesus purchased. You can experience more than you have now. And there's others saying, no, 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 we can't, you know. And so that's kind of where we're, we're heading in this this conversation. That's right. There's a tension. Uh, there, there are those who have an under-realized eschatology. Mm-hmm. They, they are not living in the full realities of our uh, our identity as sons of God. That's right. Uh, and that goes for also holiness and miracles. That's so right. Those are two kind of two categories. That's yeah. right. So Ephesians talks about us being seated in the heavenly places. Mm. You know that, and yet there's also uh, talk about the inheritance that we have not yet received in first Peter, that it's kept for us an unfading inheritance that we will, 
you know, there's, there's absolutely a degree in which Christ's kingdom has come and yet it, so it's here already. And yet it is not fully here. It is not yet. So that's the already, but not yet Mm -hmm. eschatology that, uh, or, or theology that is that is believed. Can I do a couple of rapid verses? Yeah, please. So just to show help. you guys that this is this is a scriptural reality. Hebrews two eight through nine says, "At present, present now, we do not yet see everything in subjection to Him, namely Jesus. But we see Him who, for a little while, was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death." Um, so you see that clearly in Hebrews. Also, um, we see this in John chapter 18, verse 36. Uh, Jesus is the king, but his kingdom is not yet of the world, as he's speaking to Pilate. And also 1 John 3, 2. Dear friends, we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. Mm-hmm. But we know that when Christ appears, so this is the eschaton, the future, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is when we see him face to face. And so again, this this idea that there is a reality that's in this age, and there's a reality that will be in the age to come. Yeah, that's so good. So I think two, two implications here. Um, I think we should, I just want to touch on what we would like our church to walk in as far as the power of the spirit and what we should expect as Christians. So first, what we would like all people's church to operate in is, uh, in greater measure of the spirit, a greater influence and power of the Holy spirit unto holiness, bold witness, and even gifts of the Holy spirit, such as miracles, gifts of tongues, gifts of interpretations, prophecy, these sorts of things. We want to see these things manifest in our church in greater ways. Now, with regards to a lot of those gifts are, are, uh, Paul in first Corinthians 12 is talking about manifestations in the church for the body. But there's also Christ went out and, and the kingdom of God advanced. People believed in Jesus Oftentimes, because he healed them. So what do we want you to do as far as your ministry to the lost? How do we want you to engage with those who are sick? Uh, Or even those within our body. We can say both. We would encourage you to pray for the sick and believe for healing. Just like Jesus did. What do you mean by believe for healing? Believe that God... I mean, believe you fake it until you make it, kind of. Right, exactly. That's no. uh, No, I want I want you to believe that Jesus at the cross accomplished for us complete and full healing that will be ours in the new heavens and the new earth for sure. You already said this, Um, but that it's possible. Tastes of that new heaven and new earth can be ours right now, and that we see that sometimes. In, in scriptures where people are, who, are, who are sick are healed. I mean, James is even, we're even commanded. If there's anyone sick among you, mm-hmm. come and lay your hands on them. And mm-hmm. if there's any sin, confess it. And the, and the, prayer, of the prayer of faith, the yeah. prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Yeah. So we're, we're actually commanded to lay hands on one another. And I know that's for, that one's for the elders in particular, but... Um, Again, we see the 1 Corinthians 12 passage talking about gifts for the entire body. And we believe that it is possible for each of us, as we give ourselves more and more to God, 
for God to manifest gifts of the Spirit for the body and for mission. So we would say as you go out into the world, as you're, you're seeking to, uh, to, to preach the gospel, let prayers of healing, uh, asking God for words for individuals, let those things be mm-hmm. a part of your repertoire. Mm-hmm. Let, as you see these things active in the disciples and throughout scriptures, pray that God would do the same thing through you. Right. Lord, do you have something for this person in particular, a word for them? What would you, what would you have me say to them? Yeah. If you see somebody sick in poverty, you can ask God to heal that person or to give them a job and trust that God wants to give them a taste of the kingdom as a reminder of the hope to come. Mm-hmm. I think praying in faith looks like, Father, I believe you can do this. I really hope you'll do this right now. Yeah. I even have a reason to expect that you may do this right now. Yeah. But there's no guarantee you'll do this right now. That's right. And I can't command this to happen right now. I want to caveat that a little. So in the past, when I was um, reading Bethel books, um, you know, this was about 11 years ago. Uh, Bill Johnson has his book, like Heaven on Earth whatever has like lightning on the cover and and uh power of a supernatural life or something like that his second book and he just kind of has this like he commands everything uh be healed in jesus name it's a reality and the reality is is that bill sees more healings than i do Mm. and part of it i think is because he prays for more people for healing than i do Mm mm-hmm and yet, I think it can be very damaging for someone when someone says, believe in this or you will be healed, and they don't get healed. It, it, it raises many, many legitimate questions that can be very confusing, especially for the new believer. Yes. So what I have been trying to do over the years is increasingly pray for healing, but I try to pause and pray first to myself quietly, praying to the Lord, Lord, what do you want to do here? And sometimes the Lord will give me a sense of confidence that he actually does want to heal. And I, I literally will pray with very much like it will happen. Hmm. And sometimes he doesn't give me that confidence. That doesn't mean I won't pray for healing and just won't pray with that measure of confidence. So I think there is like when you see uh, Peter um, in, in Acts chapter, was it with, um, with the, the beggar? Is it Acts 2? Uh, the three, actually, the lame beggar at the gate, beautiful. He he tells him he's not like I hope you get healed, God. You're able to do it if you're will. He's like in in Jesus' name, be healed. Mm-hmm. And he gets up and he lifts him up. And that there's a sense of confidence. And I believe in that moment, the Holy Spirit was leading them and giving them this a sense of faith and assurance in some subjective way that I think acts is purposely ambiguous. Mm-hmm. That gave him confidence he would do that. Yes. Now, the thing is, there's sick people all everywhere. I mean, they did not have a healthcare system like we do. As much as we complain about a healthcare system, it was way better than it was back then, right? <laughs> and so it's not like they're doing this every moment of every day, just any time. There, there's a clear, a divine appointment kind of set up where there's just confidence there. And I've had times in my life where I've had that sense that I'm like, hey, guys, we can stop praying. God is healed. I remember mm-hmm. this guy in, in Bible college had this horrific um, accident that he was going to, he should have died and mm-hmm. he had to have like a bag stuck to his stomach and he would show it to us after he was better and his, he had no intestines and it was just crazy. Mm-hmm. And I remember we had this prayer night, we would mercy prayer night. We're all praying and seeking. And there was just a sense that the Lord just put in my heart. You can stop. Like he's healed. And I was like, guys, he's healed. We're good. 
And it was like, what? Say you, you arrogant, presumptuous kind of guy. And yet he was healed. And I just had this sense that the Lord was saying it's, it's good. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't always get that. But I think there there is a category for that. So if you hear someone say, be healed in Jesus' name or in a commanding way, don't necessarily write it off because there's biblical precedent for that. But That's you, you, you want to be careful. We want to be careful. And I think it's unhelpful always to have prayers. And I'm not pushing. I'm slightly pushing, but I'm not because I, I pray what you just said, Ross. But sometimes we pray in a very way, uh, way where we're hedging everything, yeah. qualifying. Sure. God, would you bring healing? But, Lord, we know that you're sovereign and we know that you're good, that if you don't heal, that's totally fine. And we'll still love you. We won't be mad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But if you want to, God. And so there's like this healthy place of like expectation, like you said, mm-hmm. and yet not in a presumptuous commanding way because we can't, you can't call God to fulfill promises he hasn't promised. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But there are certain things you can say, God, you said, would you do that? You know, like mm-hmm. I'm holding you to your word in a very humble way. Yeah. And healing is not one that he's promised on this age. Um, with that kind of confidence. Yep. But selectively, I think we can have that confidence that the Spirit is giving this kind of um, prompting. And yep. that takes time to build. And the only thing, other thing I was going to say, Romans 12 is another gift list. And in that list, it has very ordinary things like teaching hospitality, but it also has prophecy or, or uh, more supernatural sign gifts. And so what, what certain uh, theologians like Grudem argue is that the fact that these gifts are, um, are – these lists are not conclusive and they're interchangeable in many ways. Mm-hmm. And they make the – I think a real um, step to say that if you can grow in a teaching gift, you can also grow in a healing gift or a mm-hmm. prophecy gift. Mm-hmm. There is exercising that gives you experience and like, oh, I misheard the spirit that time. Or, and you can kind of build – and get stronger. And, I, and I've seen that in my life and I've seen that in other people's life where they start off and they miss it half the time. And then over time, they become more accurate or more in tune with the spirit mm. and more, quote unquote, have a better batting average. Yeah. I just opened a whole can, though. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of complexity in what we're talking about. Like, those are really good thoughts. Um, we, we need to pull this one to a close. I'll just, I, if I could, just a couple last thoughts. Um, Number one, the, ex- the expectation of the Christian. I think you already kind of touched on this. I think we all have. But the expectation of the Christian should be, even though we're promised uh, new heavens and new earth, and even experience of that kingdom right here and right now, we can pray for that kingdom to come. God has willed that we're tested right now, disciplined, as Hebrews 12 calls it, to become more like Jesus. Since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude, because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. This is 1 Peter 4. Dear friends, verse 12, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening, but rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may over, be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. So the expectation of the Christian should be suffering and trials are bound to come in this life. We cannot overcome every one of them That's right. just because we have enough faith. That's right. We will not. The scriptures are, are obvious. If we're so arrogant as the Corinthians were to say, uh, Paul, Paul and, and his, uh, his buddies, they're, they're weak. Like, yeah. they're, they, we can't follow them because they're suffering like this. Yeah. No, that's, that's arrogance. Paul's like, he, he condemns that. But he, he says we're actually stronger if we've suffered with Christ, if we get to experience his sufferings. Mm-hmm. So, and then finally I'll say having more of the Spirit, church, is going to look like greater service to one another in the body and outside the body. Having more of the Spirit looks like uh, giving more of yourself like Jesus gave himself. So 
if you ask for God to have more of you and for his spirit to manifest in greater ways in your life, you got to know that's going to look like service to others, care for others, kingdom of God advancing through joyful uh, uh, obedience to serve and to, to love others through that. Um, uh, I think, man, oh, the final word um, for me is we just want to simply have more of God. <laughs> like that's, mm-hmm. how, we want to experience what he experienced. We want to, we want to love what he loves. We want to, we want to be little uh, ambassadors of the kingdom of God on earth. And that is what the church is, is an outpost of the kingdom where we get, people get to come and see a little experience of what heaven is going to be like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we want. We want sin to be done away with in our hearts uh, as much as possible, and for God's Spirit to manifest unto service and love to one another. That's good. Amen. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. Yeah.